BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's good, y'all? This is Breeze Bruin from the Mighty Juggernauts. And make sure you subscribe and download the podcast. Library Rap. The hip-hop interviews with Tim Kell, Hip-hop journalism on the highest level. Yeah, what's up? It's your boy, Joel Ortiz. And I want everybody to make sure that they subscribe and download the podcast, Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Einenkel. Yo, Tim, I hope all is well. You my guy. I know these interviews are not interviews. They're actually conversations, and I appreciate them all. Yeah, well. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ice-T. I want you to do something for me. Make sure you download and subscribe Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim I and Cal. It is O-fucking-fishal, all right? Stop playing. Download and subscribe Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim I and Cal. It's cold. 15 years ago, at the age of 19, an artist by the name of Nasir his debut album, Illmatic. The source awarded it five mics and the album was hailed as an instant masterpiece. It only had ten tracks, but each one displayed not only his lyrical genius, but also a surprising level of musical maturity. Now, 15 years later, Michael Eric Dyson, Sohail Dalatzai, and a book on the album. It's titled, Born to Use Mics, Reading Nas's Illmatic. In the book, each writer focuses on an individual track and looks into its cultural significance. So hail Dolazai, welcome to And You Don't Stop on WBAI. So, why Illmatic? Why not Ready Hard to Earn by Gangstar or any of those albums that came out in 94? That's a really good question. I mean, me and Mike, when we were deciding which uh, which book to do, uh, I mean, we had a few, and... Um, it was really interesting. I mean, the ones that you put out there, I mean, obviously all those came out in 94, but for us, between, you know, Illmatic and uh, Nation of Millions, um, uh, America's Most Wanted by Ice Cube, mm. um, that, there are these, that there are these particular records that we felt like really signaled a, a sea change, not only in hip-hop or in music more generally, but kind of like that it was making on the U.S. more broadly. And we just felt like that, uh, while those other albums were great albums, and they were really hard to not do a book on, that Illmatic uh, became the choice for us because of the particular moment in which it occurred, which was this moment in 1990, this moment where hip-hop was, you know, as we talked about, as I argued in the introduction, kind of at this tipping point. You know, it was just post kind of Dr. Dre, the Chronic album had just come out. Snoop had just come up on the West Coast. And hip-hop seemed to be or shifting into a different direction than it had been in that late 80s, early 90s moment. Not necessarily a moment of innocence in hip-hop, but definitely a moment in which there was kind of a social commentary, um, a particular kind of aesthetic involved in hip-hop in terms of like the, the kinds of sampling. 
but that it had a certain kind of like, as Chuck called it, a black CNN uh, feel to it. There was a certain kind of public sphere with which hip-hop was creating for itself. And Illmatic occurred at this moment, and you can tell by listening to Nas like on the album, such an incredible album for a lot of reasons that he was deeply influenced by that era and so here was this MC who grew up cut his teeth on that era that's called the golden age so to speak mm-hmm. in hip hop yep but was trying to do something different so that the album wasn't this traditionally political but it wasn't apolitical either. For us, what really grabbed our attention, in addition to all of that, was this kind of like first-person narrative that Nas was trying to rap from. Um, it was a certain kind of like, it was almost like, you know, like a Raymond Chandler novel, Times, et cetera. It was like this kind of hard-boiled realism um, that Nas was trying to get at. And, you know, as I mentioned in the introduction, it was also this, it was also very cinematic. I mean, it was like, a, it, was, it was an album that was on the one hand documentary, but there are elements to it that were like science. So this 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 MC who, uh, at the same time, at the age of 19, when he does live at the barbecue, catches this huge underground buzz, not only in New York, but out here on the West Coast as well when I was in L.A. So it was this guy that people kept on following. It was just kind of this aura surrounding Nas as this kind of like second coming of Rakim that uh, we felt that was like when it came to Illmatic, like Nas didn't fail to deliver. And, you know, obviously when you look at the, the producers that are on the uh, on the album as well, you know, Premier, Pete Rock, Pro, Q-Tip, and LES as well, not to mention the remixes by Buck Wild and, and, and Large Professor and Q-Tip and those guys. I mean, the album just had, and the remixes with it, it, it was just such a body of work that you really, it forced you to contend with so much. And then, Looking back on it, you know, if you think about the MCs over the last 15 or 20 years, if you want to call it that, that have continued to stay, and I hate to use the word relevant because they're all relevant, but but if you think about an MC that continued to remain within a certain kind of visibility for a variety of different reasons, that continued to be provocative, um, I mean, the only one you could really point the finger to was Nas. I was thrown off by Nas. I was like, I don't. He's not talking about what I what, what I want him to talk about. Right. Uh, the firm eventually came around, and that just <laughs> me for a loop. Do so you think right. Nas peaked too early? Do you think people followed his lead? Well, I guess what changed in hip hop after Nas? No, I think that's a really good question. And again, that goes back to like the first question um, that you were asking, which is again, why Illmatic and why Nas? Again, because I think through this one. One artist, like, you know, you can trace so much of hip-hop's history. I mean, there was a point, you're right, where Nas, admittedly, you know, when you talk about kind of the I Am period and the Nostradamus period, where Nas, you know, supposedly lost his way, you know, a, a very underrated it was written. And so you can trace through Nas, uh, when we say lost his way, like, it's this kind of puffy, kind of like bling-era hip-hop that kind of like by the late 90s was you know, the dominant in many ways. And in many ways, Nas kind of him to it, but you can, you can start to see him begin to dabble within that as well. And so I guess people started to second-guess Nas and wonder, like, oh, man, where's the Nas of Illmatic, you know? Where's the Nas who rapped about, you know, Uzi in my army jacket lining, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, with that keen perspective on the world. Um, but I think Nas redeems himself. Clearly, and I think, you know, there's a lot of things that are happening at that time, you know, at that point in life. He's having to contend with his mother's illness and ultimate death. Jay-Z's kind of battle attack on him that I look at kind of like the stillmatic um, to Godson to then, you know, obviously hip-hop is dead. And then, you know, his more recent album work that he's going to be doing with Damian Marley. I mean, you can still, you can begin to see Nas beginning to redeem himself and starting to, to kind of recenter himself. 
the, the great MC that everyone expected him to be. So was Illmatic his best album? Did he decline after that? I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, uh, I like the fact that there's this almost a genre of hip-hop, almost if you want to call it that, called like kind of grown man hip-hop. You know, we have to allow and we have to allow these MCs to grow. And, you know, while Illmatic was such an incredible album, it was an album of its time. And while it continues to, in many ways, be timeless, I think Nas as an artist, especially over the last, you know, six or seven years, I think, has, you know, continued to be the best hip-hop out there. But I think, like, we have to also put it in context. And, and that gets to the second part of your question was, has hip-hop changed since Illmatic? And I would say definitely. You know, and I think that was, again, part of the reason why we wanted to do it. We saw, hip, you know, you, you began to see hip-hop beginning to shift. You began to see the, the ideas around excess and spectacle, like this craft materialism that was beginning to dominate the genre at a mainstream level. That's not to say that on the kind of more, you know, I, I hate to use the word underground, but on the, on the, on the level that was like radio and television, you know, cats were still putting it down at a level that harkened back to that late 80s, early 90s period. But in terms of like what hip hop had become, yeah, it became commercial jingle. But, you know, to me that in many ways, if we want to look for a silver lining in that, it created a space for all these other MCs to continue to do uh, the great work that they do. And, and it forced you in many ways, like it was back in the day with hip hop, you know, especially out here on the West Coast, like you know, hip-hop wasn't so easily accessible for a long period of time. You had to go out and look for it. And I feel like, in many ways, same case uh, today and over the last few years, like, you know, if you want to look for the hip-hop that's still saying something, you got to kind of look for it. And when you find it, it's really rewarding in that regard. When the Nas's album came out, I was, like, 14 years old. Uh, right. But, you know, right. after reading and then uh, Nas's discography, I right. kind of see that struggle, that the growing pains that he's going through as an artist. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we, I mean, he he makes Elmatic when he, I mean, the Elmatic comes out when he's 21, but he's recording it when he's 19, 18, 17, you know, 16, 18 years old. So he's a young man, and he's coming up at this, you know, really fer fertile period in hip hop. And there's a lot of pressure to, you know, at the end of the day, that was put on Nas after Elmatic. I mean, is he going to deliver? And and like I said, it, it, it was written was still a great album, but you know, here's this guy who, as you say, is going through. I think like. I don't, you know, I, I wish he hadn't gone through them, but what if he hadn't gone through them? Would he be making the records that he is today? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. So in many ways, like, you know, it is what it is, but you get to see, like, I mean, and no one, you know, his last album, The Untied, uh, I mean, to me is, was a brilliant album, mm. you know, probably one of the best albums to come out in hip hop in the 2000s, I think, you know, in terms of like the, uh, the timeliness of it. I mean, you have this moment where Barack Obama's running for president and Nas comes out with the album with that title. Yeah. And everyone knew what the name of the title. And with that kind of content, like, I mean, you know, th there was, there, there's something, and it, it's not just about being provocative to sell records, especially in this era of downloading. I mean, I think that Nas is really trying to, you know, he, he takes the genre and the art very seriously. He's a and, and John Caramonica wrote in the book as well, in his piece, that Nas can only almost in many ways blame himself for where hip-hop is today. That was his argument, at least, John Caramonica's. Mm. That, that is to say that, you know, Nas is kind of coming off as kind of like the curmudgeonly old man in relative to contemporary hip-hop that's coming out today. And, and, and that's fine, you know, but I think, like, you know, the, the points that he's trying to make and the arguments that he's making, like I said, he's still at this place where he's relevant, where, where, where even younger people, I mean, I have a lot of students, I mean, I teach at, at, at university. Oh, Nas, he's one of those guys from that era, you know, who they still follow religiously because I think of Illmatic, there's still always that hope that, you know, Illmatic is going to come back, that there's going to be these, these glimpses of what Illmatic was show up in his 
in, in his recordings. And I think there's always elements of that. And so, you know, Nas is still Nas to me. You know what I mean? The book is Born to Use Mics, Reading Nas is Illmatic. Contributing editors Michael Eric Dyson and you just heard Zohail Delasai, with other contributors such as Mark Anthony Neo, Monty Perry, and Common. Pick up the book, re-listen to Nas's Ilmatic, and experience greatness again. Zohail Delasai, thanks for joining us on And You Don't Stop WBAI New York. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, y'all? This is Tim Einenkel with At The Library. Sam Seidel is my guest today. He's the author of a new book that comes out in August called Hip Hop Genius. Sam, explain what Hip Hop Genius is. Hip Hop Genius is not just about teachers using hip hop songs to get kids to succeed in traditional schools. It's about changing education to respect and build from young people's brilliance. It's about the incredible possibilities that occur when students are engaged, not as consumers, but as creators. We don't need to tweak the content inside existing traditional academic structures. We need to think outside the classroom and build institutions that are fundamentally more responsive to young people's interests and ingenuity. We need to create schools and school systems that not only teach hip-hop, they are hip-hop. In the, in the Hip-Hop Genius, you discuss, you really kind of discuss the school, uh, high school for recording arts. So if you can, can you kind of explain what is uh, high school for, uh, for recording arts? Uh, why'd you decide to focus on this school? And then explain what Hip Hop Genius is and how does uh, the school use this? The High School for Recording Arts is an innovative high school um, in the Twin Cities in Minnesota. It's been running for over a dozen years. Um, it was started by a professional rapper, David T.C. Ellis, who himself had dropped out of high school and later went on to finish through an alternative program. I focused on it uh, in Hip Hop Genius because I see, I've, I've visited schools in over 25 cities around the country. I've seen a lot of great different models and designs, but um, I've seen the high school for recording arts really reaching kids in a way that a uh, few other schools that I've seen have reached kids. Perseverance through hard times, all lives in the twine, I'm talking you and I, my eyes wide and disbelief was on my mind. Together we can make it with patience in all stride. From my family to yours, let's join hands. A full plans to try and change the forecast. Never hold back. Music is the motivation. Rely on the strength of a nation to make greatness. In terms of what hip hop genius is, hip hop genius as a concept came out of a conversation between um, a 
group of educators who were brought together out at the high school for recording arts several years ago. Um, my friend and colleague Isaac Ewell, who uh, runs a small schools project for the Black Alliance for Educational Options, invited myself and a number of other educators um, to go out to the high school for recording arts and visit and have some conversations about what we saw there. Isaac was interested because he had a multi-million dollar grant from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to start a network of small schools around the country, and he saw the power of the model at High School for Recording Arts and was wondering how we might replicate that or use elements of their design. Um, and in that conversation, one of the things we came across was this notion of hip-hop genius, and re really the concept behind that is that aside from teaching in a recording studio or literally teaching kids to uh, make music or even the business of music, um, there are some broader hip-hop sensibilities that we felt like um, you know, young people, the young people who had invented hip-hop in the first place had demonstrated um, and that have been demonstrated throughout the evolution of hip-hop culture, and we also saw them um, very much in action at the High School for Recording Arts. And so when I talk about those sensibilities, I'm talking about, at the most basic core essence, um, a creative resourcefulness, especially in the face of limited resources. So in the evolution of hip-hop or the birth of hip-hop, you know, you think about young people who were in the South Bronx um, at a time when resources for, were very limited. Um, the community had been, you know, carved up by the Cross Bronx Expressway. Job opportunities were limited. Students had learned vocational skills that in many cases were not leading to jobs. Um, they didn't necessarily have um, music access to, you know, a lot of fancy musical instruments, but they found a way to make music and, um, you know, throw block parties and, um, you know, the, the ingenuity of taking turntables, which people up to that point had always assumed were used to just play a song from start to finish mm. and hook up two of them. Um, using some of those vocational skills um, and um, be you know be able to fade back and forth between um, dancers' favorite segments of a song to create a new song, um, you know to, to us that was the kind of brilliance that um, we wanted to foster in the education sector. Um, so the ability to take different element designs and remix them into something new and better, um, and the swagger and brashness to say, I can do something that's never been done. I can start a small school and, um, you know, really implement some new um, <clears throat> design elements. So, you know, for instance, on a, on a kind of, you know, one clear example would be at the High School for Recording Arts, um, TC decided to start the school day later than pretty much any other school in the country. Um, and you know, his experience was that they were have, they were struggling with students coming to school late and, um, you know, then not being marked present, et cetera, et cetera. It was frustrating for the staff at the beginning of the day. Um, and he himself didn't love coming in early in the morning, so he said, well, let's just start the school day later. <laughs> and they saw attendance and, and go up and tardiness go down. And, you know, it's that kind of, um, you know, it sounds maybe simple, but very few schools do it, even though research shows that, um well, later start time is more in line with teenagers' circadian rhythms. So it's that kind of ability to think outside the box, not be beholden to rules, um, and really be resourceful with, you know, the, the resources that you have access to that we saw embodied through hip-hop, the evolution of hip-hop and, you know, even current hip-hop culture, and that we really wanted to encourage more of in the education sector.
get educated. Get your parents a reason to be proud because you made it. Yeah, the road is tough, but if you give up, you miss out on a lot of stuff. Now you're running out of love. Time passing you by, you can't get a decent job. You never graduated. Your education got robbed. Can't believe all the steps. What was interesting uh, about the book and about the school is that it, it obviously has been able to tap into uh, reach kids or tap into kids' creativity that doesn't that other schools aren't haven't been able to do. Um, so I kind of wanted to explain, like, what it, there's there are, but there are at the same time there are teachers in regular public high schools or elementary schools that are trying to use rap music to engage kids. I guess how is 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 that is this is from your experience, is that just not far enough? I mean, do we need a, a complete school around it, or are those teachers taking, I guess, the right step to do that? Well, here's the deal. I, I mean, I think that that's. I did a lot of that. I'm a, I was certified to teach, and you know, in, in, in teaching within some pretty restrictive, oppressive institutions like a juvenile prison, I brought in, you know, hip hop, poetry, you know, mainly rap music, some rap videos, and and um, that was a part of the teaching that I did. Um, I think it was really effective. I think, you know, I can't speak on everything that every teacher is doing. I know for me, it, it, was, it definitely caught students' attention. It was something we all shared as an interest, and we were really able to engage around it. So, I mean, I think it was highly effective, even kind of within the classroom, um, you know, within an institution that did not embrace it. Part of the reason that I really am excited about this book, you know, about Hip Hop Genius coming out, is that. I think we're at a new point in the field of hip hop education. I think that for years, and people have been doing, bringing, you know, using, I don't, know, I, I don't like to use the word using, although sometimes that's what it is, but people have been engaging hip hop music and culture in educational practices for decades now. So there's nothing particularly new about that. Where, what I think is new is the position that a lot of us are in, right? So for many years, we were bringing it in, you know, as after school program instructors mm-hmm. or student teachers or teaching artists that were invited in once every so often. Um, now there's hip hop educators. I mean, true, you know, pe- people who have been MCs for years, B boys for years, DJs for years, graffiti artists for years, who are in leadership positions, who are school principals who are um, lead teachers, who are, you know, working in the district in higher positions, who are working at education foundations. I mean, you know, I know folk, I know these folks. As I, <laughs> and, you know, I think we haven't fully adapted our thinking and our conversation. We're still often talking about it, and a lot of the text that's out there is about how to kind of bring it into one classroom, almost sneak it in here or there. And a lot of the text out there is about justifying that hip-hop has any place in a school. And what I'm excited about in terms of hip-hop genius coming out is that I think we're actually beyond that point. We're at a point where we can really be thinking about what does a hip-hop school look like? What is a hip-hop educational institution? How do we support those? How do we push ourselves to make that design more innovative, more successful, et cetera? Um, and so there's absolutely nothing wrong with a teacher you know, bringing rap music into an English class, a social studies class, a math class, a science class, or anything else, or teaching um, hip-hop arts for the sake of hip-hop arts, you, you know, not not as a trick to get students to learn English better, but actually just learning how to be better MCs. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But with that said, what I'm excited about with the release of Hip-Hop Genius is pushing the conversation to say, beyond that, what can it look like? Are they able to use what they've learned with Hip-Hop Genius um in college, because what I found was I've actually I I went I came from an alternative high school, and the concept was great. But then I got to college, and the college and the concept of my school were on totally different levels. So I felt I wasn't even prepared for school. 
uh, how does um, like what 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 happens with the kids in college, and how does um, something like this program prepare kids for college? Um, yeah, I mean that's a great question, and as a student product of um, alternative public schools, you know, I started in kindergarten and um, went through twelfth grade um, in alternative public schools. I you know I understand. <laughs> your experience and, and what the challenge is. And, you know, part of the problem is a lot of our colleges use pretty terrible pedagogy right. <laughs> in terms of how they teach. So you're kind of in this conundrum. You know, one of the things that the High School for Recording Arts does that I think helps um, is they have, um, they take advantage of something in Minnesota called um, post-secondary education opportunities, mm. which allows high school students to enroll um, in college courses while they're still in high school. Um, and trying to encourage more and more students to do that. Um, I think that that's that really sh- shouldn't be underestimated as a technique for helping students prepare for college because what happens, first of all, students get free college credit. Um, and, you know, for students who are maybe a couple years, um, you know, have been out of school for a couple years and are a little bit older, it also helps them accelerate, right, because they're going right. to come into college and already have some courses under their belt. So, you know, if they feel like they're behind, this is a chance to catch up. And, and there's a number of things in place at the high school for recording arts to help students accelerate who have, you know, either been out of school or failed a few years or whatever else. But this is one of them. So that this dual enrollment option, um, you know, allows students to catch up on time. But more importantly, in terms of the question you're asking, it allows them to have some college experiences while they're in high school, while they still have the support networks that they have at the high school, right? So, you know, a student goes off and they, they're excited and they're going to take a class at um, you know, a community college or the University of Minnesota or wherever else, and um, it ends up not being what they thought. It ends up being a lot harder or just a lot less interesting. Mm. Um, but they're still on a daily basis over at the high school for recording arts, able to talk with their advisor there, with the other administrators in the building to seek support. Um, and by doing that, in the best case scenario, they graduate from high school already having experienced the challenges of college. Um, and with some skills in their backpack to, um, you know, be successful when they go off to school. I think, you know, realistically, it's a, it's a struggle. I mean, you look at, you know, outside of the high school for recording arts, um, you know, the completion rates um, for college in general, particularly for community colleges, are really rough in this country. I mean, they, <laughs> in many cases, they make the high school graduation rates look good. Um, so, you know, it's clearly a, a, a challenge across the board. Um, I think that, you know, there are some things in place at the High School for Recording Arts, like the PSEO program, um, that are intended to, um, you know, try to counteract that and help prepare students. Um, But I think it is a challenge, you know, when a student has been able to get um, credit for doing really, you know, these authentic real-world projects, whether it's developing an album or something completely unrelated to music that they've been able to do at the high school because of the individualized project-based curriculum. And then they go to a college that's very much in a lecture format. That's hard. Right. <laughs> um, so I think you know I think that that it is a challenge, and I think that um, you know that, that the school is, is is taking action to try to counteract it. Um, but you know I think that um, students, you know, students for whom the high school, in some ways, ironically, students who have been most successful at the high school may find this shift to college the most jarring. It's a lost love 
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This type of education reform you talk about does it does it leave is it you know does it leave room uh, not to go to college I mean to just you know uh, just put a business in place because I, I know you know there's a there's a there's this uh, one girl Elf Han I don't know her name uh, who you know she she's going to community college but she also runs a nonprofit while she works at the record label or the recording studio so does it actually leave room where you know, kids could just go right into business or go right into a nonprofit as opposed to four years in college and then figure out what happens after that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, every every student is encouraged to consider post-secondary education. One of the graduation requirements at the High School for Recording Arts is an acceptance letter from a college. Um, I think they it's really, really important um, to the school that all students feel like college is an option. Um, that said, I know that there are students who have gone directly into the music industry, directly into nonprofit work, um, and directly into business um, out of high school. Some of them have then gone back and taken classes or, you know, things like that. Um, and I think, you know, some haven't. But, um, I mean, the incredible thing about a project-based school that it really allows students to follow their passion is that for some students, they're going to come out of high school light years ahead of where some of us may have come out of college because um, they've actually been doing the thing that they want to do, you know, not just studying it um, or not just kind of studying this more general ed curriculum, you know, you have to take this, 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 this. So, I mean, they do need, you know, students at the high school for recording arts need to get validations in all of these different learning areas, but they can find ways to do that that connect to their passion. So it does put students in a position and, you know, in the book I talk about some of the students who have come out and been successful um, in aspects of the music industry, um, you know, it, it, it does make that, I think, more possible and give them some serious advantages to school students at other schools. Um, I mean, the fact that they've been in an environment with professional quality recording studios, with professional engineers, with folks who know the ins and outs of the hip-hop industry um, or music industry more generally, the fact that major recording artists have come through the school and they've gotten to meet them, that they've been they've had their stuff played on the radio, that they've talked on the radio, you know, all of these things, I think, really prepare them if that is an industry that they're interested in going into um, in a way that a student at um, pretty much any other 
So do you have to be a do you have to be a hip hop head to 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 get hip hop to be part of hip hop genius? No, I, I don't know. Well, to be a part of hip hop genius, that's that's a different question. You don't have to be. I, I want to make sure I do. I say that you, you know you don't have to be identify with hip hop culture particularly to go to the high school for recording arts. I mean, there's students there who make other kinds of music or who in their four years never you know, set really, you know, set foot in the recording studio or don't do projects focused around music. So, uh, you know, I think sometimes that's something that people get confused about. And um, yeah, obviously that's a huge draw for many young people um, and that there's a lot of stuff going on in the school related to music and the industry. Um, but that is not a requirement for a student coming in. In terms of hip-hop genius, I mean, you know, we, we can look at it more or less kind of metaphorically and, um, you know, for the most part, and, you know, I, this is much of the book, as you know, talks about this, so, it's, it, you know, it can be difficult to sum up, but for the most part, um, you know, I think it's an ethos, it's a set of sensibilities, um, and I don't think somebody has to be, you know, an MC, a B-boy, a DJ, or a graph writer to understand it. I think it's a more metaphorical set of sensibilities, and, you know, w we enjoy kind of documenting where we see hip-hop genius occurring in the world, even even when it's far from far from the kind of traditional hip-hop culture. What do, you, what do you hope people take away from your book, and what are the, the, next, the pretty much the next steps to making this book a reality for, you know, in the, in the, edu in the education system? Of course, I hope it changes the world and changes the landscape of education in this country and beyond. Um, and I'd really love to see it um, reach other countries as well. But um, in the short term, I really hope that I know there's a lot of folks out there who are the pop heads and educators. I really hope that um, those folks get their hands on it and read it and respond to it, both, you know, just casually, verbally with me and the kind of conversations and ciphers that we're already having, but also in a more public setting. I think that um, that's something that in the hip-hop education space we need to do more of, is real ha having public critical dialogue about each other's work. I think in some sense we've been hesitant to do that because um, because we've been so under attack from sort of outside forces that are challenging the idea that hip-hop culture even has a place in the education sector. Um, I think we've been hesitant sometimes to have critical dialogues amongst, amongst ourselves, but I'm very hopeful that... Um, you know, that we're getting to a point where we can do that and that this book can be a part of sparking some of those conversations. Um, beyond the hip hop, the folks who are already hip hop heads and educators, um, you know, my hope is that this book will reach a wider readership. First of all, I would love to see it reach a lot of hip hop heads who are at an older and more mature point and still love and are a part of hip hop culture to the core, but aren't necessarily partying the way that they used to or going to the club or doing some of the things that a lot of the music reflects and are looking for what it means in this phase of their life to be hip-hop. And I think that part of that can be, um, you know, being a part of really changing the educational experiences of the young people in this country. So I'd be really excited to see hip-hop heads picking up this book and reading it and thinking about how they could be a part of whether it's starting a new school, getting involved in changing an existing school, starting a youth program. I mean, a lot of these principles, even though I'm talking mostly about a school, can apply to um, all types of work with young people. So I would love to see it um, be a resource to hip-hop heads who haven't, you know, who don't have a degree in education, who don't work in schools full-time, but are looking for how to kind of manifest their passion um, around hip-hop culture. Um, and then simultaneously, I would love to see it push folks who are more solidly in the education side of things and 
are not as familiar with hip-hop culture to read the book and whether they get um, excited about and, t- and turned on to hip-hop music and culture or not really try to implement some of the practices. I'd like for it to demystify what's going on at the high school for recording arts um, so that more folks can start to learn both directly from them as an example, but also just start to research the kinds of practices that are in place at the school. So whether that's educators in other schools, um, you know, school committee members, politicians, foundation program officers, I think there's a lot of people who have been excited by what the High School for Recording Arts is able to accomplish, but don't fully understand how that's happening um, or why things are done the way they're done. And I think that this book um, can at least be, you know, a solid introduction to folks um, who want to understand more about it or who haven't heard about it yet but are um, open to learning about it. So my hope is that it can, you know, validate the work that's going on there, spark some more conversations, help to help them to improve their work and help other people to do similar work even better and really push some of these ideas out both nationally and beyond. Sam, thanks so much uh, for joining us today on uh, And You Don't Stop with Chuck D. Yeah, thanks for doing what you do. Um, and, uh, yeah, don't stop. <laughs> I never rap. This is my first time ever rapping, so give me give me a break a little bit. Right after. Um, you better not be hating on me, because I'm a straight-up G-show, DMC, L-O-V-E, show be love, you know my name. I ain't play no games, no, I ain't play no games, boy. <laughs> My name is Shelby Love, I'm 15 years old, and I go to high school for the recording arts. But they just get so crazy, love and life gets hard to do, and I would gladly hit the road, get up and go if I knew, that someday it will lead me back to you. That someday it will lead me back to you. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.